I've thought long and hard over the past, I guess, 15 minutes or so about what I wanted to say to start this episode off. This is kind of the end of a journey, end of a five-day journey. And this has been, for me, like a really kind of fun and interesting experiment you know, like just reviewing an episode of day, uh, an episode a day of of a TV show that was kind of released all at once. <clears throat> and before we get into the review properly, I I think that I figured something out. Right after paying pretty darn close attention to this show, you know, taking my notes and rewinding certain scenes and and just trying trying to fully understand the show for what it is and, and trying to uh, consume what the show is presenting to me. I think I can say this, like, honestly, whether you love the show, whether you hate the show, or whether you're somewhere in the middle, I think that with the Echo TV show, it is, it becomes obvious by the end of the series that Disney was never out to make an Echo TV show. That was never their goal. They were never interested, really, in the character Echo. They were interested in in teaching the audience more about certain Native American folklore and communities and teaching us more a little bit about the, uh, the the deaf community as well and kind of some of their struggles. And here's the thing. I think that those things are really good and important. And I'm glad that they have a space, a big space. I mean, this is a, a Marvel production. They have a, a big space to present those things. The issue is that they were never interested in telling a story about the character Maya Lopez. And so again, you can still love the show or you can still hate the show or be wherever you are with this show, but you have to understand that they were not interested in, in telling any kind of story that ties into anything that has to do with any kind of lore from the comic books with any kind of, any kind of lore or, or any kind of in-depth analysis of who this character is. That was never on the table. It was always about teaching the audience something. And the issue here is that you kind of have to be honest about that type of thing up front. Because if we go into this expecting a superhero TV show and then we don't get that, that there's an issue there, you know what I mean? And then the, you know, kind of the other issue here is that not only do we feel misled in that regard, because again, we've all seen Hawkeye at this point. So we know that we're not getting a, a comic accurate version of Maya Lopez. That's fine. She still seems like a badass, So maybe they'll find some other way to tie in her characteristics. But, so we, we know we're not getting, you know, what the comics presented. We're not getting any kind of adaptation. But the other issue, though, is that 
what they did give us just wasn't really good. I mean, just from a, a simple storytelling perspective, it wasn't very good. It was disjointed. It was messy. Uh, at times, it was very poorly edited, poorly, poorly written, and it just wasn't well thought out or executed. I feel like more characters suffered than anything. And at the end of this, I don't even know exactly what I'm supposed to take away from it other than learning more about the, the Native American communities. And again, like I said at the beginning of this little mini rant, hey, I learned something. And I think that's kind of fucking cool. But what I didn't get was what I signed up for, which was a superhero TV show. You know, uh, I, in that regard, this TV show for me ends up being comparable to The Eternals, where I'm sure that somebody glanced at a Jack Kirby comic book. Somebody maybe glanced at the Neil Gaiman run on Eternals, which is much more consumable or adaptable for a movie. But they clearly had no intentions on ever using that for any type of basis. And this is kind of the same thing. And also, just like Eternals, the issue isn't just that they didn't want to adapt the source material in any regard. The issue is that what they did just ended up not being good. So with that being said, I had to get that off my chest. Let's go ahead and and do this thing proper, guys. One last time for the Echo TV show, that is. Homies one and all, welcome back. To the Superhero Homies Podcast. My name is Quentin and today we are here to discuss the season finale of Echo simply titled Maya. Let's go ahead and get into the breakdown here, shall we? This episode actually only clocks in from the uh, uh, the recap to the start of the credits about 32 minutes and 16 seconds. So apparently they had some place to be. This episode starts off with uh, little Maya. This was before the car accident, before she moved to New York. This is when she still lived in uh, in Oklahoma with her family. And <laughs> this little kid is actually a kind of a psychopath. And I'm like, <laughs> no one, no one noticed this. <laughs> she was like two or three steps removed from doing some Jeffrey Dahmer shit. I feel, uh, because there's a woodpecker minding his own motherfucking business, and then he gets pelted on the head with a rock from Maya's slingshot. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. She's always been like a, a stone-cold killer. Um, and then she takes the bird, and uh, she puts it in like a, a box, and she brings it to her mother, or she, she wraps it up somehow, and she brings it to her mother, uh, Taloa, and... Maya says, hey, Ma, look, you won't believe that this is the craziest shit. Uh, the bird, uh, he he got hurt. And then I, I took the bird and I brought him here. And the mom was like, bull fucking shit. You hit this, you hit this bird with a fucking rock, didn't you? Uh, the mom immediately called bullshit. But I want to pause right there for a second, right? There, there is a thing, like a subtle thing in storytelling where you don't really know if the people who are creating the content that you're watching, you don't know if they're aware of what they're doing, right? 
And it's like either they're so clever and they're so subtle that they want you to question it or they're so clueless that they don't know that they just completely created a whole nother narrative inside the TV show or movie. And that's what's going on here, I think. I don't think they know that this makes this little kid look very fucking odd. Like, this shit ain't normal. <laughs> no, this shit is not normal. Listen, I don't care that, that she didn't have a fucking PlayStation or an Xbox to keep her occupied. There's plenty of other things to do in the woods other than fucking knocking out birds with a slingshot and then lying about it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right, whatever. And again, this is one of those things where if the show had any sort of cognitive function, then this would be fine, right? Because the show would be aware that Maya is not always traditionally a good person. But the show, as I've come to find out, is not aware of that. The show really wants us to think that Maya is, I mean, clearly she's the protagonist because she's the lead of this TV show. But the show wants us to think that, no, no, not only is she the protagonist, but she is actually a good, upstanding person. Never once do they try to address her past sins or her past mistakes. And it's almost like the show just wants to gloss over the fact that she did some really grimy shit with the Kingpin. And even though they only show us a little bit in episode one with that kind of that one main mission, like she just snapped this guy's neck, you know. And and not only was there no remorse, but she liked it. And, you know, they just... Throughout the course of these five episodes, you realize that they really didn't know how to write Maya at all. They, they had no idea what they wanted to do with her. And even at the end of this, you're not really sure where or how she ends up. You know, I, there's just so much going on here, but yet nothing at all. In other words, this show is kind of dead behind the eyes. Like they had an idea of what type of message they wanted to present to the audience, but they had no idea what to do with the remainder of this show. And it's sad. But, yeah, so... Uh, Taloa, who was Maya's mom in this flashback with little Maya, she looks at the bird, and, you know, they talk about stuff, more magical powers being passed down, blah, 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 and, and, and the mom fucking heals the bird with her magic, vague, glowy powers. And, yeah, so the bird is better now. And then we go back to a replay of the, uh, the car wreck, the crash, where Maya's mom was killed. She couldn't heal from that, huh? Okay. Uh, moving on, Chula goes to the old thrift st uh, store or whatever that uh, Scully owns. And uh, she's looking to buy back an old sewing machine that she had, I guess, dropped off over there some time ago. And uh, Scully still had it. Not only did he not sell it, but he seemed to uh, clean it up and fix it up. And, uh, yeah, he gives it to her under the condition that she comes by and visit. Uh, Chula, on her way to the post office, that's where she works, she runs into the kingpin. And unbeknownst to her, you know, that this is the kingpin. Uh, and I'm not going to be to show up too much about this scene, right? Like, at, at this point, it's like kicking a dog while it's down. Or kicking a dog, period. Unless the dog deserves to be kicked. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 
it's, it's, it is just interesting to note that Maya had zero desire to tell anyone about her affiliation at all about Kingpin, especially those who she didn't want to get hurt, especially since she knows that the Kingpin was in town. Yeah, so apparently not only do these people, a lot of these people in this town not know who the Kingpin is or even what he looks like. So, yeah, uh, this this ginormous, bald, white man in a fancy suit just so happens to stumble upon, you know, this small town in Oklahoma. And Trula just assumes that he's there for the uh, the powwow, the festival that's about to take place. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And he, he tries to kind of form, form a bond with her over, you know, uh, American Sign Language and uh, grieving over loved ones who uh, who are gone. And that's kind of that scene. Uh, next scene, Maya is eating at a diner. Uh, I mean, listen, this this scene is really just to get Maya from one spot to the other. The most interesting part about this scene is the the, the gas station slash diner that she pulls into. It's a Roxxon gas station. And I haven't really, I mean, I... Roxxon has probably been used in, in other Marvel properties. I imagine that it has. But uh, this was the first time that I can uh, recall them actually using Roxxon. It's uh, one of those pretty famous companies in Marvel Comics. You know, they kind of have their hands in everything. Roxxon Industries, Roxxon Oil, Roxxon this, Roxxon that. And, you know, it's one of those uh, kind of crude evil organizations uh not evil in the sense of like Hydra, but evil like uh, and, and evil money hungry organizations, kind of like a lot of American organizations. Think about it like that. <laughs> uh, they're, they're that kind of they're, they're the super capitalistic type of evil, not the uh, want to blatantly uh, take over the world type of evil. This is more of this like the, the greed type of evil. And it got me wondering, man. So if Roxanne is, is in the MCU, I wonder who is currently the head of Roxxon because they're just one of those corporations that they've had probably fucking eight to 10 to 12 different people who have acted as like uh, head of Roxxon at one point or another. If you guys have played the Miles Morales video game, uh, Simon Krieger, he was the head of Roxxon in that video game. Um, in the comics, Simon was actually the guy who tried to assassinate uh, Tony Stark's parents. So the more you know. Anyway, I'm just trying to distract myself and all of you guys from talking about this goddamn TV show. But we have to. Anyway, yeah, so Maya's eating at a, a, a diner that's attached to a Roxxon gas station. And she sees that goddamn bird again. And you know what? If this is the same bird, the exact same bird that she pelted with that rock like 20 years ago, or however long ago it was, then, uh, yeah, he's probably pissed. Like, you think he's there to guide you? No, no, no. He wants his, he wants his get back. Like, bitch, you hit me in the head with a rock. I never forgot that shit. I'm coming for you. You look you inside that glass building and I can't get in there. Otherwise I'll fuck you up. That's what the bird said. If you guys turn on your subtitles, you'll see it. But no, the bird is supposed to be there. It's like some type of, I, I don't know. Um, guardian bird or uh, uh, sign of impending doom. I don't know, because they also saw the bird like right before Maya's mom crashed, you know, uh, 
that bird is like uh, the Grim Reaper from the Crossroads music video. Check that out. That's an old school reference. Anywho, Maya gets a text message from uh, Biscuits, uh, basically saying that uh, Bonnie and Chula are are missing. They haven't showed up at the powwow yet at the festival. And, you know, presumably they had some pretty important parts to play in the whole thing, but they haven't shown up yet. And Maya quickly puts together what she should have put together eons ago. Holy shit. My family's in danger. The kingpin's in town. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Maya, you probably should have thought about that. <laughs> probably should have thought about that some, but she didn't. And so Maya goes, I believe she goes to Chula's house. And, you know, searching for Chula to see if she's there. And she's, you know, doing the full sweep of the place, gun drawn. You know, Kingpin or his goons could be anywhere. And she gets to the back room where Chula was working on uh, a, a sort of outfit that, spoiler alert, is going to go to Maya. And when Maya enters the uh, the room, she sees a literal ghost. Uh, her mother is there, uh, Taloa. Yeah, there's a whole goddamn apparition in front of Maya. And boy, <laughs> I've had some moments where I, I wanted to just I've had moments where like I wanted to just leave the theater. But I'm like, I paid money for this and I got to talk about it. So let me just grip my teeth and bear it. This was one of those moments just really cringe, just super, super cringe. And yeah, <laughs> um, and and basically, with my uh, Maya's mother is there to work as like uh, just more exposition, you know, about uh, Maya's powers and how you know she comes from a long line of special women who have very unique gifts, and uh, uh yeah, the the ancestors they echo through Maya. They had to figure out some kind of way, some kind of reasoning as to why she's called Echo. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and this was this is what they came up with here. Um, so my my next set of notes here is uh, it requires a bit of explanation. Okay, uh, I have written down here that this TV show makes the Mulan mistake, and if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, there was a live action Mulan movie that came out about three or four years ago now. And I, for one, was kind of looking forward to that movie, even though there was no Wushu, which is tragic. You know, that was a fan favorite character. But the uh, the 90s animated Mulan, that, uh, that, was, that, that one's a banger. That is an excellent movie. Uh, I think that that was that was back when Disney actually had like real messages and lessons that people could learn from. And that, but more importantly, they were also interesting and very fun and entertaining movies. Uh, the 2020 Mulan, I think this one that came out, that one stripped away anything interesting about Mulan's personality. Right. And instead of Mulan working her ass off to prove that she not only was as 
capable as the men, but that she could surpass them uh, with hard work and dedication. They took that out and replaced it with Mulan is special because she was born special. And I, you know, I was just looking around like, does no one else see what this movie just did? Like, this is awful. Like, how could you take away the core meaning of this movie and replace it with, no, she can do all this amazing stuff and more because she was born special. She just has these special gifts. And I'm like, that really takes away everything that was unique and and everything that was kind of wonderful about the original movie because now there is no more anyone can do this if you put your mind to it and if you work your ass off. That's been replaced with you were born special. And I hate that message because it's not true. You know, uh, not everyone is born special. Michael Jordan is born special. Tom Brady, born special. And he worked hard, though. I mean, I'm not saying that none of these guys also didn't work hard, but what I'm getting at here is that you dilute the idea that sometimes you really got to bust your ass in life. You're not just born super unique or special. And I don't know, man, it's just a really weird message, right? You know, and, and before anyone tries to tries to cape for this shitty TV show, no, it is not like the X-Men who are born with their abilities. Those are mutations. And majority of them wish they never had them. They are just as much curse curses as they are gifts. But anyways, uh, yeah, so Maya has the Mulan curse here uh, because even in the comic books, you know, like I said before, she does have a, a taskmaster-like ability where she can kind of learn and absorb people's uh, skill sets physically so and, and kind of replicate them. Uh, but she still, in the comic books, puts in the time, puts in the mileage, puts in the effort uh, to become a skilled ass kicker. You know, she doesn't just wake up and go, oh, I can do this now. You know, she's not like Neo from the Matrix downloading information and then she can just do the shit. Uh, But they take that out from this TV show as well. So the reason why Maya can do these things is because uh, she's born special. Way to go, TV show. Way to go. Uh, but this was just a really cringeworthy scene here, man. Like it was, it made me want to crawl out of my skin. Yeah. Uh, and then Mulan, uh, Mulan, and then Maya gets her new suit. Um, anyway, so we go to the powwow parade and, I have written down here, Maya, she's actually standing in the midst of the parade, kind of the uh, Assassin's Creed approach, hiding in plain sight. And the show, at this point, man, I just feel so bad for the show because it's trying to build suspense, but it's not. It's just dragging itself out, which is weird, right? Because this episode is only 32 minutes, but it's still dragging out and it's trying to build some type of suspense but I'm not wondering, oh, man, what's going to happen? I'm wondering, when the hell is anything going to happen? <laughs> so they draw this out for way too long. And uh, eventually, Maya, she winds up in this little side building that's at the festival. And thankfully, no one's in there. You know, she she goes in there. 
and looking around for signs of the kingpin or her missing family. And lo and behold, Wilson Fisk walks out of nowhere. And lo and behold, he has Bonnie and Chula held captive. And at this point, no, they have conversation of sorts. They don't see eye to eye. No pun intended because Kingpin got shot in the eye. And and I thought the cringe was over. This is where the cringe really begins. So standing behind Maya is like all of her superpowered deceased ancestors. And Maya channels their strength and then also like gives some of it to Bonnie as well. And they begin to beat up all of the henchmen. The henchmen that Kingpin pays, they are on his payroll. Meaning that they are very aware, astute, trained, and most importantly, they are well armed. And not one time do any of those henchmen attempts to shoot Maya or Bonnie or even grab Chula as a hostage. Never crosses their mind. But not to worry because you know what they do instead? They wait their turn for them to run at either Maya or Bonnie and then they get beat up. So. <clears throat> I'm starting to believe that episode one really was made by like somebody else. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. Man, I do not have the energy for, for this finale. I was really hoping that the finale would lean more towards like episode four or one. Uh, definitely more towards episode one. But man, uh, it's, it's feeling more like an episode two or three. Anywho. Um, so after they beat up all the henchmen who don't use their guns and they run at Maya one by one. Then uh, Maya uses her vague, ambiguous powers to put Kingpin in some kind of nightmare place and tells him basically that he needs to get over his past trauma. He can let go. He can heal. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, And then they come out of the nightmare and Kingpin is shooketh. He is shooketh to his very core. And he's asking Maya, what did she do? What happened to him? And then Kingpin leaves. He just leaves. Like he doesn't escape in the melee. He he just leaves. Flashback time. So we flash back to little Maya and her mother, Taloa, and they are freeing the bird that Maya knocked the fuck out. And... Maya is is asking her mother, uh, would they, would she see the bird again? And I like to believe that bird was like, no, nah, but I'll see you, motherfucker. You you hit me with this goddamn rock. I'm gonna get my get back. And I like to think that that the bird is the real bad guy of the TV show. Maybe the bird is actually not the bad guy, but the good guy. Like the bird doesn't like a Kill Bill type deal. <laughs> Holy shit, that rhymed. A Kill Bill type deal. Right, because the bird has been scorned and wrongly assaulted, and the bird wants revenge. That's what I like to think. This is the woodpecker show. It's not, though. 
so, anyways, uh, we go back to the final scene of this episode. Uh, I have written down here uh, Fast and Furious Family Style Cookout. Because that's what it is. It's very similar to She-Hulk, you know, how that show ended with, like, a, a, a cookout. Uh, except uh, Matt Murdock is not at this cookout. Neither is Hulk, nor his weird CG son, Scar. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, Maya shows up at the uh, Fast and Furious family cookout. And... There is still a uh, weird sexual tension between Maya and her cousin, Bonnie. The end. Were you guys expecting something, something else? Uh, this is the quickest I've ever done one of these reviews. Granted, this may be like the shortest episode, but wow. I mean, but in my defense, I really just wanted to get this shit over with. All right. <laughs> I I did not want to talk about this episode and have to relive this shit again. Oh, this was bad. This was really bad. But I know some of you guys are thinking, Q, there's a post-credit scene. I know. I know. I tell you what, champs. Let's go ahead and talk about that post-credit scene. So we go back and Kingpin, he is on his private jet again. And he is all sulking and mad and upset because uh, he got bested. <laughs> this is very much like this is uh, akin to like uh, when the uh, Ewoks just beat the shit out of the stormtroopers. But imagine that. Right. But imagine if like the stormtroopers were previously competent and then they got their asses handed to them by Ewoks. That's kind of what this is. Like, the Kingpin just took nothing but L's all throughout this show. And you got to think, right? There, There is, unfortunately, a percentage of people out there who have not seen the Daredevil TV show. And their first introduction to, to you know, anything Marvel was probably through the MCU. I imagine there's a good bit of people out there who are like that. And so I say all that to say that their first introduction to Kingpin is likely either here or at the end of Hawkeye. And ever since Kingpin has appeared in the MCU, he's taken nothing but L's. This man has just done nothing but lose, lose, and lose over and over again. And they're doing that thing now where Vincent D'Onofrio's amazing acting can only carry that role so far. They need to write better for this man. So much better for him. This shit was inexcusable. Inexcusable. Kingpin had no foresight. That's not a pun because he only has one eye. Uh, he he had no intimidation factor other than the fact that they're, they're trying to shoot him so that he looks big and imposing. But the fact that he's damn near at tears for most of his scenes throughout this TV show doesn't do a whole lot for his intimidation factor. Uh, they have none of the menace there. Uh, we don't see him do any of the things that make him an imposing character. We don't see him kill anybody besides the poor ice cream vendor in episode four. Like We don't actually see him challenge anyone, right? You know, it's like I said so many times before, 
whether it be in the comic books or in the Daredevil TV show, he wins and he wins and he's so used to winning and accommodated to winning that at the end of of the comic book, right, the end of the season of television, that is when he finally loses and he the kingpin topples from his throne. He's called the kingpin for a reason. But this TV show just makes him look like a fucking moron. Anyway, the big thing from this post credit scene here is that Kingpin is going to run for mayor. Uh, he turns on the he turns on the volume on the uh, TV on the private jet on the PJ, and uh, there's two kind of uh, talking news heads talking about the mayoral candidates for New York. And I mean, Kingpin doesn't say that he's running for mayor, but we know that it's probably gonna be a thing that he does here. Um, and I imagine they did that just to set up for um, Born Again. The last one of the last notes that I heard about the Daredevil Born Again TV show is that Kingpin uh, was either running for mayor or that he was mayor. Um, but man, how ham fisted was that dialogue with those two newscasters? They couldn't have spelled that shit out any simpler. You know, like they're like the the verbiage they were using was just so on the nose, and I was like, okay, come on, guys. Like, there's the art of subtlety is gone and dead. Like they they don't know that either. Either they don't know how to write subtle art, or they think that the viewers are too stupid to understand what's really going on. Uh, yeah, but that's the end of this show. Thank fucking God. Uh, I mean, what a far cry from, you know, episode one when I was cautiously optimistic. And now here I am at the end of this and I feel the worst for wear. Man. Um, yeah, it's it's days like this where I wonder if I knew back in October 2017 that the MCU was going to take such a fall from grace, like <laughs> would I still be doing what I'm doing? And I say that jokingly because of course I would, but man, just got to take the good with the bad, I suppose. But God damn, there's been a lot of bad here lately. I'm, I'm ready for some more good. All right. <laughs> there is no more guardians of the galaxy to save the MCU. So I'm going to need something good here. Um, any other thoughts or notes or takes about, uh, the echo TV show? Yeah. So I think that this show had potential, uh, like I've mentioned before at this point, two or three years ago when it was announced that. Echo will be getting her own show. I had the same thoughts that I had with like several of these projects that they announced. Like, are we sure that's the, the right move? Like I get it. She was a, she was a pretty cool character, but man, her own TV show, she doesn't even have her own comic book line. Uh, are we sure this is the right thing to do here? And, you know, at, at the end of the day, this TV show just kind of boils down to Marvel still having that air of invincibility about them. Marvel thinks that they're the kingpin. They think that they are untouchable. 
And I mean, unfortunately, man, yeah, this show is it's just more I hate to say this, but man, it's just more garbage from the MCU. It's the show's not good. It's not well written. Uh is it's not well shot. Uh there are no characters that stick out at all in this TV show. None. Uh, and ultimately, this show is just completely unremarkable. It was either when I reviewed episode four or episode three, where I made the note that the reason why Marvel released this show all at one time is because they released it on a weekly basis they wouldn't gain fans or retain fans and viewership on their app, which is what normally happens when you release something that you believe in. But instead, they probably knew that they would lose fans or lose viewership if they released the show in a five-week block. So instead, they damn near quietly released this TV show all at once. And I think they knew that they had another dud on their hands. I am extremely glad that they completely scrapped whatever they had for Daredevil Born Again. Uh, I recently heard news that they got the stunt coordinator from the Daredevil TV show uh, to be a part of Born Again. Good, they need that motherfucker. But it's not just the slick action that made Daredevil such a good show. It was the fact that it played like a gritty crime drama that so happened to have a, a guilt-ridden blind ninja as his lead, you know. Uh, it was the fact that there was so much attention to detail. They did so many cool and unique things with Matt Murdock. Uh, what they did with this Echo show, just for comparison's sake here, it would be like if the Daredevil TV show focused on Matt being like Irish Catholic for majority of the show and that the patron saints bestowed powers to Matt Murdock and that's where he gets his powers from. That's and, and then like, you know, that's like the big takeaway. You know, like that that is the best comparison I can think of when I think about this Echo TV show. Uh yeah, I I man, I really thought that I was gonna have more for you guys here. Uh more than just forty minutes of commentary about this episode. I'll be honest, man, there's still like a a, a glimmer of optimism within me because I was not prepared for this episode to be that bad. I thought for certain they were going to find some kind of way to to stick that landing. Um, what's next for Marvel? Uh, in terms of TV shows, I don't know. But man, at this point, I'm glad that for the most part, they're taking the year off because they need to. They They can't afford any more shit like this. I'm glad that DC is, is for the most part taking the year off as well, you know, um, because like they also just, everyone needs a clean slate right now. 
because it's just been, I mean, I hate to be that guy, but it's been shitty. And I refuse to lower my standards simply because the quality has lowered. It's not my, not my problem. Not my problem. So, yeah, I, I hope that you guys also do not lower your standards either. Don't don't look at the new norm for superhero content and 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 think, well, this isn't so bad for what we have now. No, 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 no. Fuck that. Stand on your heel. Stand on your morals. Stand on your integrity because these goddamn superhero TV shows and movies, apparently they won't. So, yeah. Uh, Maya, uh, Maya, uh, Echo Episode 5, titled Maya. Uh, I give this a 5.2 out of 10. This was horrible. What a terrible finish to a extremely subpar TV show. Marvel can do so much better because we've seen them do better. Well, anyways, homies, that is it for this one. Man, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, this this journey we've been on. And don't worry, because I will be back again to review uh, parts of a whole, the Daredevil Marvel Knights comic book, where we get to actually talk about Echo. Uh, and so that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so I highly advise you guys to go check out that story if you're going to be interested in it. If not, that's okay, because I'm going to uh, to tell you guys all about it. Uh, that's going to be all for now. Man, fuck this TV show. Love you guys. But until then, my name is Superhero Homie Q. Take care. <laughs>